Hi there, I'm James Dapache, and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Team, today we are going to talk about a group of entities, one of whom is a real person, flesh and blood, and a lot of whom are companies, but we're going to sort of lump them together and call them the plaintiff. We're going to do something similar over here with the defendant, where we've got a real person, and we've got a group of companies as well, and this sort of group we're going to loosely refer to as the defendant. I'll pick those groups apart and put them back together occasionally, but we've got our plaintiff, we've got our defendant, and what happens is our plaintiff and our defendant is they often go into sort of joint, joint ventures on a sort of quasi-partnership basis where they will develop properties, and some of the little entities in the group uh, will do things, and sometimes they'll create special purpose operations entities between themselves, that'll lend money here and one will be a builder and one will be a developer and one will own some of the land and all this sort of stuff. So a bunch of entities, bunch of entities, together these bunch of entities sometimes create new entities to do some development work. Fine, so easy, so far. Now what happens is that in about 2019, uh, one of our defendant entities lends a substantial amount to some of the operations entities who are in the process of running a development. And what our defendant says, and particularly the director, the natural person of our defendant says, is, hey, don't worry about it. I'm not gonna call on those loans or I'm not gonna cause my company to call on those loans unless we bump into certain circumstances. And at the time of the hearing, and probably even as you and I are having this conversation, those circumstances haven't arisen. Now, what happens is, as you might imagine, the defendant does indeed call on those loans and does so without giving notice and without those certain circumstances being satisfied. And in the defendant causing their entities to call on those loans and enforcing those loans, what happens is receivers are also appointed to these operations companies, these ops companies, OPSCO in the middle. So receivers are appointed over all of those in respect of the debt that was lent by the defendant, that the defendant had initially said, hey, don't worry, we're not gonna enforce it unless some crazy stuff happens. So, what the plaintiff does is commence what we call corporate oppression proceedings. And those corporate oppression proceedings are pursuant to section 232 of the Corporations Act. And essentially what corporate oppression proceedings <coughs> allow is they allow a party who is a shareholder to say, hey look, the way this company's being run is unfair to me, and so the court should make certain orders. And often those orders will be a forced share sale at fair value, so that someone gets someone's shares at a fair price, sometimes a wind-up of the company occasionally, but there are also a whole number of other options that the court has, a broad palette to paint from, we might say. And so, these oppression proceedings are currently on foot uh, at the time of this discussion, but what our plaintiff then wants to do is to bring some additional claims that are what we call derivative applications, and that's pursuant to section 236 of the Corporations Act. And what a derivative application is, or a derivative suit is, it's when a shareholder, and some other parties as well, comes to stand in the shoes of a company and bring a claim on behalf of that company. And it often happens in the cases where someone says that directors have breached their duties because the director's not gonna cause the company to sue themselves. The shareholders say, right, we need the court's help to become that company, speaking broadly, um, to go and sue that misbehaving director. And so, to sort of ground that, we've got our plaintiff, which is a number of entities, saying we've been oppressed as shareholders, uh, unfairly prejudiced. And then today, we've got the plaintiff saying we also want to clothe ourselves in the company 
We want leave to bring an application on behalf of the company to pursue these defendants for firstly a natural person defendant breaching their fiduciary duties that they owe to all the operations companies and secondly to the various other lender companies that the defendant controls uh, for misleading or deceptive conduct to say what happened was, thank you very much, what happened was this is Kenyan Beans recommended to me, I'm really excited. Smells fantastic. What the, I was going to say what the Kenyan company does. Um, what the plaintiff company does is bring this oppression claim and remember that's currently on foot and wants to bring these derivative claims against the lender companies to say that the defendant had made this representation of like, hey, I'll make these loans, but don't worry, we won't call, about, uh, we won't call on them. And to say that that was misleading or deceptive conduct on the part of the defendant companies and to say that it was a breach of fiduciary duties, the sort of director's duties, we might say, um, so both, both fiduciary and pursuant to the Corporations Act, I should say, that the director owed to the operations company. So saying two things, firstly, the director breached their personal duties, and secondly, all these lender companies um, engaged in misleading and deceptive conduct, and they were also concerned in the defendant director's breach of their duties. So the court's very broad question is, um, how are we going to deal with there being an oppression suit on foot that really is a complaint about all these facts anyway? And are we going to grant leave to bring a derivative action for sort of a similar set of circumstances? I'll give away the ending now, then we'll go into the reasoning. The short version is the court does grant leave for the plaintiffs to stand in the shoes, uh, to grant leave to sue in the name of the company, both to pursue the defendant director uh, for the breaches of duties, and then to pursue the defendant companies for being concerned in those breaches of duties and also for the misleading or deceptive conduct that might have arisen there. Now why? Section 236 of the Corporations Act has five criteria. Um, is the company going to sue? Well, the plaintiff sorts that out and says, well, no, no way the company is going to sue because the defendant director is going to stop it. Are the plaintiffs coming in good faith? Well, yes, they are. They're bringing what they think is a good claim uh, to try to drag some cash back into the operations companies. We're going to come back to best interest. Is there a serious question to be tried? Well, yes, is the answer to that. There's a real question about this representation being made. And in fact, there's no evidence put on by the defendants to explain away why this representation might have been made and why the loans might have been enforced anyway. Then the fifth criteria is the notice criteria. And the court says, well, there wasn't formal notice given, but broadly speaking, the defendants knew what was being complained about. So we might waive the issue of notice for the moment. You'll notice just then we did A, B, D, E. We're going to come back to section 237, subsection 2C now. And that question is, is it in the best interests of the company, of these operating companies, that the plaintiff be granted leave to bring the claim? Now, the defendants sort of gently resisted this somewhat. They said, look, the claim's not a strong one. And the court disagreed with that, including because the defendant had put on no evidence to explain the, I'm not going to call on the loans, oh yes I am going to call on the loans scenario. Um, they also worked through other best interest criteria. The defendant said, well, it's not in the best interest of the company to chase people who might have no money, and there's no evidence about whether the defendants have any money or not. And the court said, well, that much may be so, but frankly, it is for you, the defendants, to put on evidence. It's within your knowledge as to what assets you've got, and you haven't chosen to put on any, any evidence, 
And so you shouldn't be entitled to rely on your failure to put on evidence. Further, there's an inference that the defendants can put their hands on big chunks of finance. And so the inference arises, well, if you can put your hands on finance of a pretty serious sum, then it's pretty likely you're going to be a person of financial substance because it's unlikely that lenders are going to lend you money unless they've performed an investigation, done their diligence to know that there's some substance to you underlying that. So what the court does in thinking of best interests is then consider what the plaintiffs say to say, hey, we'll also put 750 grand away just in case the operations companies lose and there's a cost order made. And so all that stuff combined together allows the court to conclude that yes, indeed it would be in the best interests of the company for leave to be granted to the plaintiff to sue the defendant director, that natural person, flesh and blood, as well as those defendant companies. There are other broader discussions about the link between corporate oppression and derivative actions that if you want to buy me a coffee or if I can buy you a coffee to talk about them, we'll have to dive into. But broadly, um, the court examines this complexity where the same set of facts can lead to different types of claims. And if I can just illustrate one element of that, we have a shareholder who might say, hey, I've been wronged in my shareholding, and so suing the company based on the way the company is conducting itself. And as you can imagine, that's a bit of a different claim to saying, hey, all these other lenders have done wrong by the company itself. Because that's a claim of the companies versus a claim of the shareholders. And so the court looks at this position where the shareholder has this oppression claim, but the shareholder is separately saying, I want to bring these claims against these lenders separately. That's the distinction the court leans into. I hope it's a distinction that makes sense to you. And I look forward to joining you again soon for another coffee. And in respect, another case note. Cheers.